Chelsea? This is Andrew. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, the podcast where we look back at very special episodes of television to see what they can teach us today. Today, we are looking back at the pilot of Blossom, season one, episode one, titled Blossom Blossoms. You can catch it on Hulu. The show was written by and created by Don Rio, and then the additional writer on this pilot is Russell Rosette Schaefer. It originally aired January 3rd, 1990. And this is the first episode that aired. It's the first episode that comes up when you look for the show to watch it. But it is not the original pilot right. episode. We'll talk about that in a bit after we do our snack. Absolutely. Let's get right into that goddamn snack. Today, we have you pick these up. Yeah. Pepperidge Farm Brussels cookies. So these are the- lacy, thin, crispy cookies encircling a layer of rich, luxurious, dark chocolate. Oh, it's luxurious, by the way. Yeah. And these are the bastard stepchild of the Pepperidge Farm family. Nobody knows about them, but they're pretty good. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say up front, I don't usually like a crispy cookie, but I am I am open to my mind being changed. But do those crispy cookies usually have luxurious chocolate they in don't. them? And well, then what the fuck are you doing? All right, let's this try like them. like the Tesla of cookies, bitch. <laughs> my home life. Deep within you And I've got my own place In your soul Now when I look out Through your eyes I'm young again Even though I'm very That was good Yeah, they're delicious Miles even had two I had two Try to stop me Yeah You can't I don't normally enjoy a crispy cookie But these were very good Yeah, check them out Next time you're Figuring out which brand of, which flavor of Milano's to get. Try right. some Brussels. Um, and apparently uh, they come in a uh, a mint variety as well. Oh shit, I'm going to look out I for would, that. I would be down to try those. I've never seen that. So that's as much as I can talk about that snack. That's yeah. all I have to say about Very good. Them. These snack reviews go on for longer when we don't like them than when we do. It's true. That was good. Done. Uh-huh. So yeah, Blossom. Blossom yeah. opens up with some pretty iconic titles here. Mm-hmm. Well, let's start here. Chelsea, did you watch Blossom when you was growing up? I did. I was a little, little young for it. Uh, it aired from 1991 to 1995, five seasons, 114 episodes. The original pilot aired in 1990. Uh, NBC aired the Blossom pilot as a one-off special on July 5th, 1990, exactly one year to the day that they did the same thing for the Seinfeld pilot. Interesting. And there were notable differences between the pilot in 1990 that they presented and the eventual series. The mom was there. Mm -hmm. The dad was an accountant named Terry. And Joey's name was Donnie. The theme song was Bobby Brown's My Prerogative. Um, (laughs) It was very different. But then uh, in 1991, it was a mid-season replacement. This pilot aired in January. So it was a full six and a half months between when NBC aired the original pilot and when they started airing, when they re they aired this first episode, new pilot 
sort yes. of right. thing. It, it was enormously popular. I definitely remember it. I definitely remember the impact it had on fashion. It was a big, oh, sure. big, big part of the series. Yeah. How carefully they considered all of her costumes and the, the ripple effects it had on what teen girls were wearing. But I was slightly too young to actually watch the show as mm. a teenager when it aired. Yeah. I, I remember it. Uh, I think I casually watched it whenever I was around. Eh, it was pretty smart humor for its time. It definitely, mm-hmm. you know, did pretty clever jokes and situations. They weren't just relying on the common, like, I'm making fun of you. I'm making fun of you. The audience laughs, repeat. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and this series ended up becoming sort of a special episode generator mm-hmm. at the end. But what usually goes unmentioned in all of that is that they're fairly earned. I mean, you have a mm-hmm. family that's set up to deal with special episodes. You yep. have, you know, a father who's, you know, raising children by himself. Yep. His wife is in off pursuing a music career. Yeah, she's trying to be a singer. And they're divorced. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're divorced. She's gone. I mean, like, she abandoned the family. That's what you get. The older son is a recovering addict. And so it's set up for some situational family drama to start with. Absolutely. The show averaged about 12 million viewers per week during its run. And it came on right after The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air on Monday night. So they usually advertise and package those two shows together. Mm -hmm. It dealt with... Problems that you would expect in a family, but and there was a lot of lightness to cover the dark moments. A lot of that courtesy of Joey Lawrence's dumb jock son character, yep. who was the middle child and had a catchphrase very famously, whoa. That's it. And then Six, played by Jenna Van Oy, which was, who was uh, Blossom's BFF. She also was very funny and had these pithy way, and she these, these verbal torrents. She was super hyper and ditzy. And so she... Those two characters were the real big comic relief. Right. Blossom also frequently had dream sequences. It was a feature of the show, and sometimes they would feature other celebrities from the time. There's one in this episode. She's Mm -hmm. had dreams about Elf. She's had dreams about all kinds of the various Fresh Prince crossover episode. There's there's all kinds of cross crossovers in the 90s were a real big thing, especially within networks. Fun fact, Melissa Joan Hart was offered the role of Six, but decided to take the other role she was offered at the same time. The title role in Clarissa Explains It All. There you go. Yep. And the rest is history. I have a real fun fact for Miles. The the father, Nick Russo, character was inspired by Dion. Series creator Don Rio was an invited guest to Dion DiMucci's 50th birthday party in Florida. And though Dion was a rock and roll hall of famer, he acted like a normal parent with his three daughters. And Don Rio, who also wrote on MASH, Rhoda, and the Golden Girls, was like, oh, I want to do a sitcom about a cool dad. That was the genesis of the show, was this idea of a cool dad. It definitely becomes Blossom's show. Obviously, her name is the title, and she's the only person in the credit sequence in this This, season. This time, yeah. Um, But the original character of the dad was inspired by Dion, who Miles knows and loves and has worked with and thinks is a cool guy, too. Can confirm. Miles is nodding emphatically from his submarine. So let's talk about these opening titles because these are. (laughs) What's not the worst is these (laughs) opening titles. Segway. Segway to go, Andy. You brought it back. Um, That's a little segment on our show called Segway to Go. Um, So, yeah, these opening titles are fantastic. I remember them from later seasons where the whole thing is it's, it's a song. 
very similarly to Mr. Belvedere, I, I didn't have time to look this up, but it is a like uh, uh, older jazzy singer mm-hmm. singing the theme song. We yeah. had this with Mr. Belvedere, which was sung by Leon Redbone. I looked up. They wrote it for the show. I yeah. think they wanted to use my prerogative and couldn't sure. get it. Bobby Brown had too much integrity for that. <laughs> right. This was actually sung by Dr. John. Oh. Uh-huh. And it's just, you know, it's the guy who's like, I'm singing like this. Yeah. I ate some gravel earlier today. <laughs> And Blossom is dancing very well around her room. D- very well, but also as though like her entire family is being held hostage off camera, and they're like, if you stop dancing for a goddamn second, everyone dies. Because she is just fucking going for it. She's she like, really is. It's she's like, so adorable. She's earning a meal or something. She's <laughs> like, I can't stop dancing. I can't stop. It's a real they shoot horses, don't they? <laughs> they shoot <laughs> Blossoms, don't they? They shoot joeys, don't they? <laughs> so she's recording herself on a camcorder, and she's just a typical bubbly teen, and then at the end, the camcorder falls sideways off the thing she's balanced on. It's very cute. Yeah. Later, later seasons, the whole family will get in on the dancing, but sure. this top of the pilot, it's just 15-year-old Blossom. I'm sorry, 14-year-old Blossom. Mm-hmm. She, in the ordinary world of the show, she lives with her hip dad and her two older brothers. Her mom's gone off, left the family, and her ditzy, fun, hyper best friend, Six, is kind of always around. There we go. So the show proper starts in Act 1, where we're at a drugstore, and Blossom is gearing herself up to rush down one of the aisles, grab some tampons, and hit the cashier. Yes, menstruation is the call to adventure. <laughs> it's pretty perfect, this whole little sequence. It's the very first image of the show. Mm-hmm. Blossom is alone at this drugstore, trying to gear up to buy herself some tampons without attracting attention. She's so nervous and embarrassed. No one is there to guide her through this. No one is there to help her. And, of course, as soon as she gets up the courage to get a box of tampons and go to the checkout counter. She has to pay for them through a guy that she knows from school, I guess, Mitchell, played by Giovanni Ribisi. Who is credited in this. This is his only appearance in Blossom, and he's credited as Vani Ribisi. Yeah. Blah. Guess he was trying that out for a Blah. while. Uh, well, hopefully just this one time and never again. His voice is mid-change. Man, Vani Ribisi. <laughs> How are you doing? And in well, the... <laughs> I can't wait to play Notorious Creeps. <laughs> in the first of many fantasy sequence mm-hmm. sequences, dream sequences, fantasy sequences on the show... The small box of tampons that she has taken off the shelf changes into a huge box when he takes it out of the cart, and she's horrified, and she leaves without the tampons. She so, denies that she picked them up. They were just in the cart. Bye. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a beautiful, I think it's a pretty perfect way to start a pilot. It tells you exactly what you need to know, exactly why we're starting the show. Like mm-hmm. that, what do they call it? The the Passover question, what makes this day different from all other days? Yes. And you get the impression immediately even if you don't know this from, I don't know how they advertised it, but if you don't know this, that she doesn't have a mom to help her with this stuff. She's going it alone. Yeah, that's pretty much it. A big change has happened. She doesn't feel like she's got anybody to turn to. Mm -hmm. And then we, you know, we answer a question for ourselves. Well, why doesn't she talk to her friend? And she does. Yeah. Next scene is her in her bedroom talking to her best friend, Six. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know if they ever mentioned this throughout the series proper, but in the pilot, her name is addressed... She says in the pilot that her dad named her six because, quote, that's how many beers it took. 
Yeah. It's a bit dark. They they change that later. They don't address it in this episode, but later in the series, they say she's the sixth child in her family. Oh, that's much more pleasant. Yeah. I don't want to fucking call Child Protective Services for that one. One of the many things that they changed from the original pilot. Yeah, that pilot. was an upsetting line. So Blossom's having a rough time because her mom doesn't live with them. She's off pursuing a singing career and she needs advice. And Six says, well, you know, we're talking about it now. And Blossom says, I need more than just the technical stuff. And at this time in the, the in society, there is no inter- internet around to comfort slash right. terrify them with whatever search results would come from, <laughs> right. from this. So this is a meeting with the mentor. Six is the mentor here, but she doesn't really have any answers. She has gifts, which is the thing that a mentor sometimes has. She brings over tampons and pads from her own home mm-hmm. because Blossom is not able to buy them. And Blossom says, where'd you get them your first period? And Six is like from my mom's closet. Six fully admits I've only been a member of this club myself for a few months, so I can't really help you out a ton here. And so this is a meeting with the mentor, but Six is a pretty inadequate mentor. In a way, this whole episode is about Blossom's search for a mentor in this moment. Right. And she goes through numerous iterations of mentors and... We'll go through all of them ourselves, but for now, this is the best she can do. And yeah. talks to Six, and then she's going to go downstairs and get some ice cream. And Six is like, you can talk to my mom if you want to, but then Blossom never takes her up on that. That and feels a little weird, right? Yeah, but Six says, I got to go. We don't know how close Blossom is to Six's mom, though. They might not have a very very close relationship. Well, the but, way that Six talks about her, even in this episode, is like, we're never going to see these people. Yeah. Ever. Six says, I got to go. If I'm gone too long, my dad starts reading the lyrics on my album covers. Solid. Which was solid and a real thing that happened in our household. They were CD liner lyrics, but... Ooh, la la, uh, someone's younger than me. It was, we had to turn them... If we bought a CD, we had to turn it over to our parents when we got it home so they could read the... Mostly my mom. Read the liner notes and lyrics, and then they would hand it back if it was deemed appropriate. We just weren't allowed anything. (laughs) Just, (laughs) you can't hear horrible, uh, offensive lyrics if you only listen to Barry Manilow. (laughs) There you go. Fucking... Um, And I like the way this scene ends because Blossom sits down after six leaves and she says, Today, I am a woman. I knew this was going to happen. And I thought that was a pretty pretty sweet little joke at the end. It's a real old brother. Yeah. So we go down to the kitchen where Joey is shooting a horror movie for his social studies class on violence. Mm -hmm. And he's using his older brother, Anthony, as a murder victim. And of course, Blossom comes down and sees this and just screams because it looks like Anthony's just dead. Conspiracy theory. Go for it. Same teacher from the Thanksgiving episode of the Brady Bunch. Oh, shit. She's like older now and she's like, I don't know something about murder. (laughs) Right. Now she's a super old groovy teacher and she's using the same lessons plan she's been using since she taught the Brady kids. Which is what? Make a fucking movie? movie about it. I don't know. Yeah, she's way out there, man. (laughs) I'd like to point out that, you know, because of of TV shows can't put specific products on there because then they'd have to pay or clear them for use in the episode, which is a whole thing. So there's a box of grape nuts here. And the way that they've they've gotten this, usually they'll either cover up the label or cover up part of it. They've covered up part of it, so now they're ape nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Which is not, that's not better. That's that's worse because I'm like, oh, they're, they're doing a little bit of ape nuts. <laughs> I just noticed that Joey is wearing a fanny pack. 
A bright Is red really? fanny pack. Yep. I'm sorry. I was blinded by the ape nuts. <laughs> Blossom screams upon seeing her seemingly murdered oldest brother, Anthony, stabbed through the heart lying on the kitchen table. And then Anthony sits up and he's like, oh, no, Joey's making a movie for school. I'm helping to edit. I learned how to edit video footage at the rehab center. And that's how we find out he's a recovering drug addict. Sure. Everything's all set up. It's the second uh, second scene, and we've pretty much introduced every single character except for the father. Yep, and uh, Blossom says, you guys are so annoying. Someday you're going to have to grow up, and so they noogie her. That's their they response do. to that. There's also a joke in here that's it's a, it's real clever, and I'm just going to point it out. Mm-hmm. Anthony's like, yeah, I know how to edit things. And Joey's like, I want to pay homage to horror movies. And he says, it'll be like Halloween 1, 2, or 4. And Anthony goes, what about three? And he's like, did they make a three? And I get it. Joey's so dumb, he doesn't understand that there's a three. But some clever writer put that in there because three is the worst Halloween movie Uh at which they decide that Halloween, John Carpenter sells the rights to it, but he's like, you can't include Michael Myers in it because Uh it should be like an anthology series. So most fans don't identify Halloween three as an actual Halloween movie. So all I'm saying is geeky writer out there. Nice. I see you. It's like that the one season of Community that Dan Hartman wasn't involved with. Mm -hmm. And then the very next season, they're like, was there was a gas leak all last year yes. we don't remember anything that yeah. happened that's it <laughs> um yeah it's 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 pretty much that so i just want to point it out i got gotcha. you i hear you i hear you you are acknowledged writer you are seen this award sees you <laughs> as the guy who won best effects for avatar and made me cringe the hardest <laughs> in my entire life once said he fucking points the oscar and he goes james cameron this award sees you and I cringed so hard, I fell asleep. I, I, <laughs> I passed fell asleep. out. I passed out for two years. And then I woke up and I was like, whoa. You were like, they made a four? <laughs> um, so dad Nick comes home late. We find out he's a session musician. Yep. He asks what's on Blossom's mind because she's up so late. And she says nothing. But he can tell there's something going on. And he, he offers for them to eat the ice cream that Blossom's already eaten. And he does something that I didn't realize I found troublesome until now, mm. which is he says, hey, why don't we have some chocolate ice cream? He accents the word cream mm. instead of ice. I don't like that. I don't either. So instead of ice cream, he's ice cream, which immediately makes me think whoever's saying it is from another planet. <laughs> <laughs> like he might as well say, let's have some earth ice cream <laughs> or earth ice cream. <laughs> anyway, it's a little thing. No, yeah, I don't like that either. I, I, didn't got, I ain't got it. much to talk about as far as periods are concerned. Right, let me take the wheel. So let me. <laughs> so that's my that's my ice cream bit. <laughs> he tries everything to pull it out of her. What's bothering her? They sit. They're eating raw cookie dough out of the roll, which you shouldn't do because uh, it could cause salmonella. Oh, okay, good to know. PSA: She just doesn't feel like she can talk to him about it. She's yeah. she's not overtly embarrassed. She doesn't seem ashamed. It's not like a, oh, I'm now I'm unclean kind of a thing. But she just is like, he's my, he's a dude. He's not going to yeah. have the answers to my questions. Yeah. I don't really feel like bringing she's this up. She's about to, and then she's like, you know what? There isn't a problem. Yeah. I just don't want to do it. Yeah, and I, it's less about her feeling like, I'm such a monster, don't look at me, and more being like, you can't really help. I need a yeah. woman. It's a weird thing where we're in the kitchen and then she's coming back down the stairs again, the yeah. very next scene, and goes back into the kitchen wearing the pajamas she was wearing in the last. So it's it's kind of like we missed a 
fucked up. Yeah, it's like it's a little bit like it, we had another thing here with Joey and the camcorder, and then it was cut for time sure. or something. You know, or it's you know in the middle of the night and they can't flip to somebody just sleeping. Right. So it's like it's even later now, I guess. Right. She comes downstairs. She opens the door to the kitchen, and we know pretty quickly this is a dream sequence, even without wavy lines or Rich Carell directing this. <laughs> because because Felicia Rashad is in full Donna Reed Claire Huxtable mode in for the real. kitchen, waiting for Blossom with a huge pink sheet cake. Yeah. It's gigantic, this sheet cake. Yeah, Claire Huxtable is there, and she very succinctly explains the physical properties of... How would you put this? Well, she knows instantly. She looks at Blossom, and she's like, you must have your period. I can tell. I'm your mother. Mothers always know. You've got to have a lot of questions. And Blossom's just nodding, and her dream mom is like, sit down. I'll explain it all to you. And she has this big piping bag full of icing, and she draws fallopian tubes and a uterus and she explains the female reproductive system in a very helpful matter-of-fact way and blossom is very much comforted and she puts her mind at ease and she says everything is normal everything is great and i'll bring you a heating pad and some soup and we'll talk all about it yeah so she she really just sort of like she takes care of the technical questions and then she says you must have other emotional kind of yeah questions or fears and I'll I'll come up and I'll reassure you about those as well. And I just want to point out here it's really nice to see Felicia Rashad obviously like a really good TV mom and a, a great actor and her place in TV history is a bit sullied now because she's known from the Cosby the show. The show is just sullied. Well, no, no, she's I mean, not, you know. But but her identifying her as that mother in that show is going to be overshadowed yeah. by the impact of the show. So I am glad to see her in movies like Creed and Creed 2 and in Empire yeah. as part of what I like to call a Felicia Rashadassance. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Thank you, everyone. Thanks. Blossom's dream this, sequence. Uh, this, oh, hold on. They haven't finished carrying me around the room on their shoulders yet. Then it's a small room. Sitting small room. down. Okay. Um, this dream sequence was almost cut. Uh, it made censors nervous, the whole fallopian tubes on a birthday oh, cake Jesus. thing, of course, which is just like a metaphor for fucking everything. Mm-hmm. It's just a part of the female anatomy that, I don't know, grossed censors out or something. Just sure. stupid. But... The network didn't see any upside to cutting her out of this heavily promoted episode, which was slated to air right after the Cosby show. Yeah. Like, they had promoted the shit out of Felicia Rashad being on this thing. It's the pilot. It's airing right after the Cosby show. And they were like, you can deal with some anatomy on a cake. Right. Like, go shut your mouths. So, yes, as Chelsea yeah. says in the, the words of the Notorious B.I.G., it was all a dream. Uh-huh. It was. Blossom wakes up alone in her room with a plaintive, Mom? And it's it's sad. It is. And it turns out she actually lives in a train yard as well. (laughs) Family? (laughs) Home? (laughs) And she's a boy. Girl parts? Um, Yeah, this is actually the journey of Natty Gan. Uh, So Blossom goes downstairs and tries to call her mom in Paris Mm -hmm. and can't get a hold of her. And she says, well, just tell her I said I miss miss her. her. I'll go start a... A trash can fire to keep myself warm. <laughs> In my heart, it's just an emotional trash can fire. <laughs> trash All my physical needs fire. are met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then the next scene is a man meeting. Uh, dad, dad sits down. <laughs> you can just call it a meeting. <laughs> right, exactly. We would have Sorry, to, to have explain to call that it to a you. woman-inclusive meeting if there were women there. So, a shitty meeting, I think is what you call it. <laughs> Am I right? Miles, you should have a microphone. I'm not going to be able to do this by myself. It's about menstruation. Uh, menstruation. Dad asks the brothers if they've noticed anything unusual 
unusual or strange about Blossom mm-hmm. lately. They're all kind of putting their heads together and they're like, it's not a boyfriend. It's not drugs. Anthony's and then he's like, if anybody were on drugs, I would know. But they all agree something is going on. And I have a note to myself that says, people used to just wear vests over t-shirts in everyday life. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's having a meeting about that? No. Hey, just I've noticed wearing somebody's a wearing a vest over a t-shirt. Just a vest over a t-shirt. Do you think they're on drugs? Are we going to a fancy buffet at Joe's Crab Shack? No? Okay, cool. <laughs> fancy Joe's Crab Shack buffet? <laughs> right. Slow down there. Let me try to put that in terms the the unroyalty amongst us can understand. Old country buffet. Old country buffet. And so they're like, boy, something sure is wrong with Blossom. I guess we'll never know. Right. And then they, She'll be fine, though. Then they go and fight something. And then they go and make a horror movie. They're like, uh, they all sit there and violently suppress their own emotions. They actually end on a great joke, which is Joey says to Anthony, because they're still making this movie. He's got the big camcorder on his mm-hmm. shoulder. And he's like, okay, can you go up to the top of the stairs and fall down and land on your head? And Anthony looks at the staircase and he turns back around and very seriously goes, Yes, but I can only do that once. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty good. So the next scene takes place at Mrs. Swanson's house. Yeah. Uh, this is Mrs. Swanson, who is supposed to be a part of this series, but only ends up being in the first three episodes. Mm-hmm. And she's played by Eileen Brennan. One of the, my favorite actresses. She's amazing. Eileen Brennan's so funny. I also, in my fantasy universe timeline, irrelative time, timeline messed up. This is where Millicent Torkelson ends up after her kids oh, all go to college. Wow. So all, all roads lead to Blossom is the thing. <laughs> yes. So somewhere there's an autistic child looking at a slow snow globe at Blossom's house. Yes, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That makes sense. So now we've approached, we are approaching the inmost cave here at Mrs. Swanson, Agnes, name of Agnes, uh, mm. her house. Blossom is delivering her groceries. So this seems like a this is a neighbor she's helping out or this is a thing she does because Agnes is old. And in the grocery bag, there is a box of tampons, which Blossom admits are for her. Agnes, in the beginning, is a little too old and sassy to be much help about the whole, like, period thing. Mm-hmm. And Blossom breaks down into a rant about her absentee mother. And she's like... What is my mother? Why does my mother get to be doing what she wants to do and meeting her own needs? I have needs. I need my mom. And she's going on and on. And this is another thing where I feel like teenage Chelsea would have been like, right on, Blossom. Mm -hmm. And 30s Chelsea is like, your mom is a human and she has things she needs to take care of, too. You know, like, I just can't get as outraged about this as I would have when I was a teenager. And to her credit, Agnes doesn't say, your mom's awful, you're so right, you know? She grabs Blossom, she holds her in her lap like she's a little kid and says, no, it's not fair, but you have to grow up anyway. We all gotta work with what we got. Yep, we all gotta work with what we got. We've skipped over a couple troubling things about Agnes and and the way, first of all, solid joke. Yeah, Uh, the six husbands. Six husbands, a solid joke. Blossom tries to elicit some advice from Mrs. Swanson. She goes, ah, in my day, they just sent you to the edge of the village. Yeah. <laughs> which is solid. But here's another thing which I found troublesome. It's not ice cream troublesome, but mm. it's it's a bit. When she takes out the tampons, when Blossom admits that they are her tampons, Eileen Brennan, Agnes Swanson goes, so you fell off the roof. Yeah. 
And then says you got your visitor and things like that, which are terms that I know of. Fell off the roof? Yeah, I guess that's one. Is I never that one heard of them? that. I never heard that. I feel that like before. then you can just say anything. But that's got to be like an ant flow, got the painters it, in. It's 100% that, but I mean, just it sounds like then you can just make ah, it. Oh, you walked into traffic, uh, huh? You ate an entire grenade, did you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got some salmonella from some uncooked cookie dough. <laughs> yes, I can also tell you have salmonella from uncooked cookie dough. <laughs> um, no, no, that's a, that's a, that means. That's a different medical diagnosis. Yeah. Um, Agnes says, you should try talking to your dad again. He may just be a man, but he loves you, and so do your brothers, and so do we all. It's not the same as having a mother, but, you know, like you said, we all got to work with what we have. And Blossom has found a mentor. She's not a mentor in that she says, now here's what's happening with your body in the way that dream mentor, dream mom, Felicia Rashad did. Right. By the way, she never says... That she's Claire Huxtable. She never... She no, not at only says she's mom. And it's this thing of like, who's the perfect mom that I know from pop culture sure. to appear in my dream? So Blossom's gone through this thing of like, is Six the mentor? No. Is my dad the mentor? No. Is Foolish Rashad the mentor? She's not real. And here's Agnes actually being like, you, you know, it's not fair, but life's not fair. Yeah. So let's all just work with what we got. And Blossom, from this approaching the inmost cave moment now has the courage to go and tell her dad what's going on and talk to him about it. So she goes home to the living room, and there's a weird bit about dad needing his back scratched, Mm -hmm. where there's like, they've designated zones on his back as U.S. states. Yeah. I don't know, it was weird. And Blossom says, hey, you know how I was born, and I was a girl, and that was like 14 years ago? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And she actually comes out and just says, I'm a woman now, and dad is shocked and relieved and dismayed. Yeah. All in a row. Because he thinks instantly that she's lost her virginity. Like, the way she says it, she says, I'm a woman now. And he's like, oh, my God. And then she says, I have my period. And he is both instantly relieved and out of his depth. Yeah, absolutely. So his reaction is just the worst thing ever. He's like, we got to tell your brothers about this. Well, first he says, I'm not sure I'm ready for this. Oh, yeah. And she says, join the club. And then he's like, "Eh, this is... This is great. This is wonderful. Everything's going to change now. Wait until I tell your brothers. They'll be thrilled. Yeah. And then he calls them down to tell them in front of Blossom. Jesus. I got embarrassed when my my mom was like, Andy, learn how to ride a bike. (laughs) And I was like, Mom, it's fine. It's It's not a big deal. Um, He announces it to the brothers and all three of the kids just stand there open mouthed, staring at each other like bass. Yep. And just like... Uh, this is information we didn't necessarily need. <laughs> so, But uh, then dad decides it's very cute that they're all going to get dressed up and go out for Chinese food to celebrate puberty. Sure, which is weird, but fine. Fine. Um, Some people do that, though. I've heard of that before. Really? Yeah, it's like, um, it's a good thing for combating period stigma and not being like, now this is a burden you have to carry for the rest of your life. Sure. To be like... You've entered a new state. I mean, like a lot of societies that aren't mainstream American society have womanhood rite of passages and rituals and things. Mm -hmm. And it's I think it's important to mark those things. And I appreciate this idea of like, let's all go eat Chinese food. Chelsea. Since I can't speak to this instance in my life, is there any like, did your parents do anything specific when this happened to you? No. Did they handle it well? Did they handle it poorly? Did you freak out? Mm, my dad was not Do involved at all. you say ice cream? No one says ice cream. I- ice cream? No one says that. Ice cream. Um, my dad was not at all involved. Not that I'm not very close to my dad. It mm. just wasn't a part of his 
domain. I'm the oldest, and so I didn't have like an older sister or anything yeah. to kind of have paved the way. I don't know. I just don't. I felt very prepared when it happened. My mom had done a real good job of kind of preparing me for what was going on and sure. what would eventually happen. I got my period super young. Okay. I was like a very early bloomer, so I was like. 11 or 12. Mm -hmm. I was real young. I just already kind of was like expecting it. And we had all the stuff we needed in the house. I remember being kind of uncomfortable and having like real intense cramps to the point where sometimes I had to leave school until I got used to kind of like figuring out how to ride that wave and like how to medicate myself. I remember in high school, I told my biology teacher that I was taking four Advil every two hours or something. Uh Uh-huh. And she was like, you're going to kill yourself, basically. Um, and she recommended a different drug to me, sure. which was very helpful. Yeah. So I wasn't just like chewing aspirin all day, yeah. every day. My parents didn't do anything like fun. There was sure. no there was no like moon party or anything. <laughs> we didn't go for Chinese food. But, you know, I don't remember being scared or embarrassed or I mean, like no more embarrassed than I was about the other things happening, you know, like hair on my armpits and boobs and all the other shit mm. that was happening simultaneously. That was all just kind of. like just like a nightmare cocktail of how do I cope with this that was happening at the same time. That's how it went down. Right. So you didn't get any Chinese food out of it. I did not. But I've been using my period as an excuse to eat crap now for nigh on 20 something years. So it's made up for it. I have to, I have to just, it's like, I've I've suppressed so many emotions. I guess I have to eat something (laughs) or, Oh, the, the terror of war. I might have experienced at one point. Existential dread. Yeah. I need some ice cream. Oh, hunter gatherer instincts. Just hunt and gather some. My fight or flight never switches off. (laughs) Um, so dad goes up to Blossom's room. She's getting dressed. She's looking in the mirror and he tries to braid her hair because she's like, I can't get my hair to work. And he, he does his best. They're all just doing their best here. You know, he says, I wish your mother were here and she says me too and they just kind of are like we're gonna get through this i know he says i know you need a mother but you've got me and you're stuck with me and i couldn't love you more and it's really it's just kind of perfect as in terms of writing because he doesn't have all the answers he's very out of his depth and she's just kind of like cool i guess we're just gonna go through this together and you get the sense this is the pilot this is the rest of the show you know like yeah it's blossom's problem today but in future episodes it'll be other kids problems right. and he's a single cool dad just trying to be a session musician and and do his best to raise his kids yeah that's how that's how they do so yeah. they go downstairs to the living room and blossom enters they're all ready to go and anthony has mm-hmm. a real weird moment where he's So I'm sorry, just quick point. So that conversation with her dad and her dad saying to her brothers what's going on and the hair stuff is all the supreme ordeal, I think. Because the journey was like, this thing has happened to me. I need to find a mentor. But the reason I need to find a mentor is because I can't keep this a secret from my dad and I just don't know how to bring my family up to speed. Mm. So the reward and consequences here are now this a new understanding between her and her dad and right. how they're going to go forward with their relationship, which is changing. And now we have the return with the elixir moment, this last little bit. Uh, yeah, we absolutely. commence upon a new and better life as a family. Right. 
So, yeah, Blossom goes downstairs. They're all ready to go, finally. There were some really rude jokes earlier. It's like, you must be a woman now. You're taking forever to get ready. You've been waiting for 15 minutes. (laughs) So Anthony, ex-drug addict, asks her about mood shifts, and she makes a little joke, and he's like, no, I really want to understand what's going on. Yeah, it's kind of nice, though. It's kind of nice, but it's a bit bit intense. It is, but it's I want to understand. I need to understand your experience. It's like, you know... Really? Maybe just... It sounds like therapy speak. You know, it's like group therapy thing. Because he's like, I need to understand what you're going through because empathy is the cornerstone of a relationship. And, you know, it it sounds like the stuff he's heard in group. And Blossom is like, also privacy. Privacy Privacy will be important going forward. Joey naturally is confused. He's like, does this mean I have to stop hitting you? (laughs) Stuff like (laughs) that. And Blossom (laughs) lands the episode by saying it doesn't, nothing's changed. We're all just growing up. Yeah. And that is going to change things. And then Joey says, yes, it has. Things have changed. And he holds out her jacket, puts her jacket on for her. And then they all three, in a very sort of old-fashioned, gentlemanly way, let her exit go out the door first. And she crosses the doorway into a new world. Yeah, it's a very frank and incredibly sweet little scene. Yeah. It's kind of like the ideal way to talk about this and to it's not a normal family setup where she and her mom would kind of be like all right here's what's going on here's what you need come to me with any questions she's dealing with three people who've never gone through this before and this is her home base resource and so they all have to kind of get up to speed so they can go forward together as a unit and it's just it's a really beautiful little scene i thought it was a great landing for this pilot yeah I would like to talk about period stigma. Sure. Because I feel like this show is ahead of its time in the way that it deals, very frankly, with this subject in a very understanding and sympathetic way and doesn't play it for laughs. There are a lot of shows uh, where it's like the joke is I'm on my period, so I'm angry. I'm on my period, so I'm irrational. I'm on my period, so I'm hungry. I'm on my period, so I've naturally worn white pants and now I can't, (laughs) I don't know. Better put this, whatever. Tie this sweater around my waist. Right. And it's not just jokes. It's It's insidious in the culture. It's the reason that you hear idiots say that we can't have a female president because she'll nuke China when she's on her period Could or whatever. Could you even imagine Chelsea, an irrational president? I can't. Who someone who would like, like take s- things personally. Stays and, up at three o'clock and at night think that bullying about, is diplomacy. Oh my God. I can't imagine. So it's not just like a harmless, well, we're just going to make jokes. And if you can't take it, then you're too sensitive. This kind of thinking that a period is a thing that makes women go completely bonker balls is a societal Scourge, And there are several groups, a lot of them led by young women who are trying to combat period stigma because it's not just insidious here, it's all over the world. And in other countries, periods are the leading cause of absenteeism for girls in school. Not just in developing countries. There's a thing that's termed here in America, period poverty, the inability to afford tampons or pads, which are expensive and incredibly taxed. They're taxed as luxury items. And it's a state by state thing, but 36 states impose up to, I think, 20% taxes on sanitary products. One in 10 girls cannot afford menstrual products. And that's the same percentage of girls missing school due to periods in sub-Saharan Africa. So Mm -hmm. 
There are some great organizations that are doing things like trying to combat stigma and trying to provide period care to underserved populations like the homeless. There is an organization called Period. Nadia Okamoto is the founder, and she is very young. She was just 16 when she started the organization, or she had the idea of the organization. She was 16 and homeless, and she learned from other homeless women that period poverty is like a rampant problem. If you go to Period's website, which I'll link to, you can make a donation of just $2, which will cover an entire menstrual cycle for a woman in need. Nice. And they also have great resources there, which is, the website is just period.org. They have great resources there to talk about mobilizing to combat period stigma. One thing you can do is have frank conversations like we're having right now. Another thing that people are pushing for is to end the taxation of period products. that's ridiculous. Um, They point out that Viagra is not taxed because it's a prescription drug, and yet period products are taxed. Another push, which I think is important and has already in some states, I think New York has has taken this initiative, is to provide free menstrual products in bathrooms, just like toilet paper is provided in bathrooms, yeah. in schools and public restrooms. So as Nadia Okamoto says, if you went to a public restroom and there wasn't toilet paper, you would be pissed. And mm-hmm. we think that period supplies are just as essential and just as necessity. If you're going to provide toilet paper, you can provide these products. Especially if they were taxed less, they would be even cheaper than they already are for people to provide. Right. And it's also important to refer to people who get periods as menstruators because there are transgender men and non-binary people also get periods. So the, the movement is not just for women, it's for all menstruators across the gender spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really cool organization. There have been things in the past, there was a social media thing this year I think it was in the stigma was the hashtag where you were supposed to post a picture of yourself at the age you got your period. Mm-hmm. And then some organization was donating a period kit for every person that posted. So oh, yes. I did that. I think it's also important just to be like Frank when that's what's going on with you and just be like, yeah, I don't want to do X thing. I'm on my period or, Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit Uh, under the weather today. I'm on my period, you know, as opposed to using a euphemism or just pretending like nothing's going on because it's a fact of life. Every woman, you know, is pretty much or menstruator, you know, is going through this for one fourth of her reproductive life for 30 or 40 years, one week of every month, this is happening. And the fact that there aren't women blowing up shit all the time should prove that we all pretty much handle it pretty well. You know, some women have it worse than others, but for the most part, it's just a thing that we deal with. It's not taboo. It's not gross. It's not defective. It makes literally makes human life and the continuation of our species possible. Mm -hmm. And so it's not a thing to be, it's not a taboo subject. Yes. Another thing that you can do if you are in the following States, Connecticut, Illinois, Maryland, Massachusetts, Minnesota, New Jersey, New York, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Florida, you can relax. The rest of y'all, if you have state tax in your state, you can write your congressperson and say, why are tampons still taxed as a luxury item? And you can cite two things. Number one, New Jersey did a study in 2018 that said a tax on menstrual products is an unequal tax burden on women and decided to drop it at that point. You could use that as Mm -hmm. information to... uh, As a precedent. Yeah, to try to change your mind. You can also say, 
Florida is more progressive on this issue than we are. <laughs> and that should be a disturbing thing. If you're in California, you should know that in January 2018, there was a proposal to eliminate tampon tax that got rejected. Uh-huh. So you should look up those people who did reject that tampon exemption and um, write them and tell them they're fucking stupid and that Florida's doing it better than they are. Yeah, that'll rile them up. There's a whole world of period products that aren't disposable. I myself use a menstrual cup, which is uh, not a disposable thing. It's mm. in replace of it's in place of tampons. There are also there are underwear that are made to be menstruated in and then washed as opposed to t- pads, which are thrown away. Mm. So these these things are pricier up front, but they're much better for the environment. And yeah. then you aren't paying a period tax on them. Every month when you go, I remember a friend of mine and my friend Ashley once referred to the fact that everyone has to go buy these things and they can charge whatever they want for them as a vaginal monopoly. Vaginal monopoly. Vaginal monopoly on us. Another thing that could help tampons and and other period supplies are not considered to be medical supplies by the IRS so that they cannot be purchased. Well, they can be deducted, uh, but also with, with programs, with federal programs that demand you buy things, you know, specific Mm -hmm. medical products, you don't get the pre-tax rate for them. And sometimes you can't purchase them at all under those programs. So there's a lot of room here to do a lot better. Yeah. For the more than half of the population that's dealing with this. It's the sort of thing that I'm pretty sure just based on myself and, you know, a lot of the male legislative population, it's just not, I didn't know that. Until right now. And certainly the second that you're like, oh, wait, that's, uh, you know, a taxed thing that you can't get around and you must have and that sort of thing. Uh, Here's the the play, guys. Weed is legalized. You tax that. Yeah. You take away the tampon tax and everybody's happy. We just literally we're happier because we're all stoned. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, weed helps with cramps, and then we haven't lost any tax revenue. Boom. I just solved it. Or you do it because it's the decent thing, which is a harder sell these days. It's true. It's true. Um, But yeah, uh, check it out, Just trying to make the bottom line work. Just, you know what? If you're going to write your congressperson, you're already writing them about goddamn everything else. (laughs) Right. This is such a no-brainer that makes people, that would make legislators look fantastic. Yeah. Who's against this? Monsters, actual monsters. (laughs) Well, tampon companies don't see a dime out of the taxation. That's true. That's true. So, like, get get into it, people. Try to do something about this. There should be a march. Mm -hmm. March about goddamn everything. Let's march about this. I guarantee that at the women's march, a fourth of those half those women were on their period. So, ipso facto, it was a period march. As a sign that I saw at the women's march last year, said respect women. Did it? Yeah, it was very cute. Respect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was just a guy who'd who'd written in choppy English on a piece of cardboard. Aww. Respect. Sorry, it was respect woman. Yeah, he was helping. It was fantastic. He was out there helping. To you, sir, kudos. To the rest of you, get to work. Get on it. And yeah, Chelsea, I mean, I feel like I've just learned a lot in the last <laughs> part of this episode. Certainly learning that there's this sort of injustice happening right now is what I learned. What did you learn from this episode? Oh, I learned a lot about the original Blossom pilot. Yeah. I learned that the dad was based on Dion, which I just thought That's was super, super fun. Yeah. Um, I thought that was great. Miles has worked with Dion a little bit in the theater realm and uh, says he's a great guy. So can confirm that. Mm-hmm. What did you learn? 
Uh, about the tampon tax and the injustices. And oh, yeah. Like all that. that stuff. Who did you want to hug? Uh, I want to hug Blossom. I want to hug Eileen Brennan because oh, she's too. such an important comedic voice. She's and so good. Vastly underappreciated, I think. Truly. If you've never seen Clue, go see Clue. Oh, my God. Because so good. every hilarious comedian. And Private Benjamin. And Private Benjamin as well. Ugh. Just Eileen Brennan, people, you don't know how much you love her. Go find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hug Blossom because it does suck not to have a mom. But as Eileen Brennan says, we're all going through stuff. Nobody's life is perfect. Work with and what you got. we got to work with what we got. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and looks like we worked with what we had. And now we're done with this episode. Yay. Segway to go, Andy. Segway to go. That's it for us this time. Tune in next time. And thanks so much. Bring snacks. for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box, where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks.